salutations and shit folks welcome 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 to another episode of traveling shit where i your host d carrie have a conversation about travel and how it has made me a better and happier motherfucking person um welcome if you're new this is actually probably um a really good episode for you to check because this was a week Yeah, this was a week. It was um, a good week, but a stressful week. I've been dealing with a lot of back-end business aspects of the podcast. I don't uh, get to just show up and talk to you guys every week. I actually have to kind of make this happen in the background. Uh, All that being said, I'm back. It's a day late, but hopefully not a dollar short. Um, I personally needed a bit of a mental rest, uh, because I can't talk about being intentional on travels and not being intentional in real life. I really just needed to, um, handle that business and then get back into, uh, really sharing with you guys the joy of travel. So this week will be a 20 questions, if you will. I randomly just Googled some questions that people ask travelers and I figured, why not get to know me, right? That's why you guys are here. Y'all can get information about travel from any fucking where. So it's not like, you know, I'm an authority. But speaking of being an authority, (laughs) the kid was uh, quoted as a source in a a Condé Nash travel article. I was in my own inbox, y'all, like wildly, wildly excited about that. So Jessica, thank you so much. Um, It is absolutely a testament to um, take a shot on yourself. There was uh, outreach in a travel group that I'm in. And generally, I just tell myself, nobody's paying me any mind. You know, my opinion doesn't really matter. But this time I said, let's give it a shot. What's the worst that could happen? She ignores me or says no, or I just don't get put in the article. But um, yeah, I was um, included in an article by Jessica P in uh, Condé Nast. So Jessica, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And um, if you're interested in reading the article, it was an absolutely great article um, about travel anxiety, but not necessarily in a very... um, you know, I like the I like the angle of the article myself. So I'll just say, if you'd like a copy, um, not a copy, if you would like to read the article, feel free to shine, shine up. Yeah, shine up, because it's an actual addition to your life. But uh, sign up for my mailing list. Um, head over to travelandshippodcast.com, and you can do that there. And I will be sending out uh, probably one of the very few newsletters that I have, but I have quite a few things to update. And, um, you know, I just feel like that's the easiest way for me to do it and get that information out to you. So head over to the newsletter, check that out. And um, I will see you in your inbox as well as on your SoundCloud or Spotify or iHeartRadio or YouTube feed, wherever you listen. So Thank you for being here and hope you stick around. So into the questions, um, let's just start with one. I, there was a really long list. I don't want to be here that long because <laughs> I can't see you guys really wanting to hear that much. 
for that long, but humor me. This was actually kind of fun, and I actually think I have some decent answers for some of them. First, if you could swim with dolphins or go shark diving, which would you pick? I've already swam with dolphins, so I'd absolutely say shark diving, but I don't know. Um, I would have to qualify the type of shark. Like, I would want it to be a shark that isn't like a great white or no sh shit like that. I don't give a damn if you're a baby great white or a toddler adult. I don't care. At sharks that we know kill people, not with it. But if it were like a, a nurse shark, I think nurse shark. Are nurse sharks generally nonviolent, I guess? Nurse sharks. We don't know over here. We don't know. So it would have to be a shark that is, I don't know, domesticated. <laughs> I'm not trying to get crazy with it. But if I had to choose between the two, I would absolutely choose to go shark diving. That is actually something that I have on my list of, my theoretical list of shit to do in life. I wouldn't say no. Uh, what place is top of your bucket list? Top of my bucket list, I don't, I wanna say Ireland always comes to mind. Um, I'm, I love dive bars and I don't know why in my mind Ireland is synonymous with dive bars, but um, I don't need a ritzy high class, although I'm, you know, available too once the quarantine lifts. I absolutely would love to hit up your high class city bar in a nice pair of heels because I'm a Chucks girl. If I can't go in Chucks, don't invite me. If no one's driving me, also don't invite me because chances are I don't want to be there. But uh, I'd say Ireland is top of my list. Oddly enough, I think I have more Irish in me than I anticipated. What was it? I was looking at my, because um, apparently your, I did 23andMe because my doctor's office actually includes it as part of the membership. Shout out to fancy shit. But I did, uh, not what's the other one? Ancestry.com. And the last time that I looked into my updated results, because them shits update, um, there was way more, what was it, Irish and Scottish or some shit in there? I don't know. It Was it Irish and Scottish? What was it for Scottish. me? It was Scottish, right? Yeah, it was Scottish. I, still very African. But that went from like a single digit percentage to like a double digit to like a 12% or some shit like that. So I was very surprised. But it, I guess, makes sense. I um, have always been a little bit interested in Ireland. And um, you know what it is? I think it was that movie, Four Funerals and a Wedding, I want to say. I don't know. But I feel like they got married in like a, on a Scottish, uh, a Scottish, Jesus, a Scottish or an Irish property. I don't know, but something about the place calls to me and that is probably the top of my bucket list, I'd say. There's other shit on there. I also absolutely want to visit Vietnam. I absolutely want to visit uh, Taiwan, a lot more of Southeast Asia. Um, I really want to go to India, but that's a trip that I would never do solo. I've not really heard the best uh, reviews of solo female travelers there, so I would want to go um, with someone, either my brother or my boyfriend, honestly. That's who I'd want to go with. Um, what else was on my bucket list of travel? I would say, hmm, what's on my bucket list? Yeah, mostly just, I, I feel like Ireland, Taiwan, Vietnam, Japan, um, Honest, everywhere like I, I really want to oh 
Ivory Coast. Um, also, I want to say, I think it was Ivory Coast and Cameroon were at the top of my ancestry results. So I would absolutely want to see where, well, as a, as it turns out to be this version of my results, uh, say that I'm mostly from is, um, mostly Western Africa. So Ireland, Western Africa, the places where my ancestry originates. Uh, let's see. What can't you travel without? My phone. I can't travel without my phone because I am always lost. So GPS, clutch. Um, I generally don't speak the language of a lot of the places I go to, the primary language. So uh, Google Translate, clutch. I love taking photos. So camera, clutch. Also, I don't do well with having like a lot of stuff to keep after not because i lose things but because i have anxiety over losing things so the fewer things that i have to keep track of the better i feel about it so honestly i would prefer to not have to walk around with you know printed plane tickets um god forbid you you know lose something i can access my email address where i've got a ton of things you know detailed and noted and starred that i can find in terms of you know credit card numbers and all the important things pro tip um copy and scan front back of your important documents your passport your credit cards and uh, insurance cards ids and send that to an email address. This way, God forbid you get uh, robbed or it gets lost or stolen, you can access the important information. You'll know what the number to call for your uh, credit card company is so that you can tell them that um, you you know would like to cancel or pause or whatever your services or um, access to the card. And also you'd be able to access identification that proves that you are who you are. Um, I can't promise you or guarantee that different entities or whoever, you know, may need this information will necessarily accept the digital copy, but, um, it's a photo of you. That's the, at this point, it's kind of what you have to offer. So it's better than nothing. Um, so there's that also, God forbid you don't have service, you, your battery dies. If you can find some place or find someone that will give you access to your email address, you can get into the, um, you know, get into a, I guess a folder or some sort that has your location where you're staying, the address, even important information, uh, numbers of people to call, you know, like if you ever needed to call someone and you, your battery is dead, Everybody around you has an Android for some ungodly reason and you can't charge your shit. If you can get into your email account, you can then access that kind of stuff. So absolutely suggest that you email important pieces of information to yourself so that you can access them all over the world. Um, but yeah, I can't travel without my phone. That is absolutely the one thing that I hold on to closest because it's very useful in so many different um scenarios like it's just multi-purpose let's see what home comfort do you miss the most i always miss my toilet easily easily my toilet i hate public bathrooms i hate public restrooms and they always give me out i am so warmed and grateful 
for whenever I find like a really, really nice bathroom in an Airbnb or a hotel, just because bathrooms in general really skeeve me out. So I'd absolutely say my toilet. That is the one home comfort that I miss the most. Uh, let's see. What has been the most interesting item of food you've tasted? I'd say in terms of most interesting, termites. I ate termites in Costa Rica. They tasted carroty. I ain't even gonna hold you. They didn't taste bad, but it's not something that I can say I'm, you know, ready to do again or even interested in uh, trying again. So there's that on that. But they weren't, you know, terrible. I, I didn't, didn't hate it. But I'd say one of the, things that comes to mind first when I think of the best shit that I've ever had will easily be uh, escargot. The best the best escargot I've ever had was in Bermuda. Wild, y'all. The shit was wild. So fucking good. Um, incredible flavor profile, and uh, it, it's the best escargot I've had. I ended up having it again in... St. Martin, but on the French side, and I was expecting heaven, not what I got. It just did not taste as flavorful as it did when I had it in Bermuda. And I feel like I've had, I had like four orders while I was over there, y'all. It was so damn good. Grotto Bay Beach and Resort, their escargot there, like that's some shit I would go back for. Um, so that probably, I don't know if it's the most interesting, but it's clearly the best. Most interesting, definitely termites. Which country makes the best coffee or tea? I can't say, cause coffee is absolutely one of those things that I try everywhere. And I always drink, now at home I drink my coffee with creamer. No sugar, just flavored creamer generally. I like um, hazelnut is my personal favorite. But when I travel, I always drink my coffee black. I always start black and just go for the flavor because I feel like so many other countries have actually really good fucking coffee and ours is just, I don't know if it's commercialized or it's just not the fucking same. But foreign coffee to me tastes delicious even when you have it black. Even at airports, it's not all that terrible. I will say as gross as it is in hindsight, the best really cheap cup of coffee I had was on uh, my Qatar Airways flight. That coffee was so damn good. So good. Like airplane coffee, y'all. Airplane coffee. Like if I could buy uh, packages of whatever coffee they use on that flight, I'd give it a shot. Um, but I would say the best coffee experience that I can think back on, because I've had a lot of coffee from a lot of places, Senegalese coffee. But honestly, I've never been to Senegal. I've, I had Senegalese coffee in Morocco and I was in Casablanca and it was actually a pretty interesting experience. I had a really great uh, Airbnb host who provided a tour. I did have to pay for it, but it was a fair price. We spent about, I'd say seven hours, give or take, because it was, I, I think I tracked uh, nine miles. We walked all around the city. It was an entire day of walking around, stopping at uh, cafes and 
uh, community spots and stores, boutiques. We did an outdoor uh, soup market. We did uh, we did so much, so much. We stopped and looked at uh, civil buildings. It was a really, really great tour that she provided. And it was catered to the things that I was actually interested in because she knew I actually liked coffee. So she made it her business to make sure that we stopped along the way at different cafes and places that she thought had really good coffee. So I appreciated that. And in one of the areas of the open market out there, which is really cool, like there's a, there's, it feels like miles of outdoor shopping. Like I'm from New York. So there's always like, especially if like, say you're in Harlem or in Brooklyn, like there's always somebody selling shit on the table, depending if you're on a um, commercial street, like a major street. Um, and that's, in essence, what it felt like, it kind of felt like an outdoor bazaar, if you will, just tables and booths of shit to buy. And there were tons of clothes and tchotchkes and little items for sale, knickknacks. And it wasn't just like touristy stuff. I remember there being also a lot of practical stuff as well. So people can come in and buy stuff that they may actually use for their house. Like it's not just a tourist area. People from the, it looked as if it had practical usage for people that just lived in the area as well. Uh, that being said, there was like a smaller back area where apparently there was like a very, I guess, specific market for Senegalese goods and food. And um, I feel like there were a lot of women back there braiding hair. And there was this one area where oh boy had this huge vat that he was like stirring full of coffee and he used like another tin cup to pour it inside one of the little, you know, the little cups the dentist gives you to rinse your mouth out that has the mouthwash. It was a plastic cup like that, a little Dixie cup. He gave me a Dixie cup full of, uh, to put hot ass fucking coffee in, y'all. Uh, like the most uncomfortable situation I'd been in trying to drink coffee because it was wild fucking hot. So I could, I could barely hold it. So I'm holding it like at the lip like this or trying to hold it like this, but then my face, yeah, difficult time. Some Senegalese dude was sitting next to me, trying to talk to me. I have no idea what he was really trying to say. It was nice, you know, but I, it was a really difficult time, uh, understanding. But when I was finally able to drink that coffee as awkward as the situation was, because mind you, he was using his bare hand and this cup, not a, not a ladle, a ladle, or, you know, there was no spout or anything. He was just stirring it, a huge vat, like a huge, like, cauldron pot, and used this little tin cup to just dip his hand in the coffee, y'all. Like, I'm thinking, you're going to burn, scald your hand. Apparently not, because he just dipped it in and poured it in the Dixie cup. All that being said, the ship was wild delicious. That's the point I'm getting to, that all of that was worth it because of the flavor. It's like they put spices and shit in the coffee. So good, so good, so good, so good. So I, the best coffee I've had was Senegalese coffee and I had it in Morocco. What's next? Um, but I won't say that that's the best coffee or tea. That's just in my experience, what I have um, tasted and loved. If you could only ever eat rice or potatoes, which would you pick? Rice, period. No questions. Moving on. Which country has the friendliest people? 
I'd go with Cuba. I'd say Cuba. And I say Cuba because I had reason to need help most frequently there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I always got help. I remember one time I was walking back from the beach and I turned on the wrong street. And as many times as I tried to stop and ask people, uh, donde esta calle Mexico, they were uh, like trying to direct me and I wasn't understanding everything that they were saying because I don't speak Spanish. I only understand a little and these really detailed directions aren't just, you know, pointing two blocks, walk left. It, it, it's not, it wasn't um, understandable. So I spent well over an hour trying to find where I was going. And every time I stopped and asked somebody for directions, they stopped and helped me. I had a mother, grandmother and daughter, it would appear. Three generations of women really like walk with me for a while, find someone from the neighborhood, speak to someone up on a terrace, have a conversation with them, trying to navigate me uh, in the right direction. I ended up at one point buying um, souvenirs from a like souvenir stand that was by the beach. And he ended up direct, you know, walking with me across the street to the restaurant to help me place an order for what he thought was like the best food in the little area. I had, um, you know, really, really, really insightful and helpful tour guides for all the tours that I did out there. So I absolutely will say that I had the, and then also just random people on the street would walk up to me and start speaking in Spanish, just like conversationally, like, Hey, what's going on? How are you? Or, Oh, that looks really good. Like, where did you get that? And I don't understand a lot of Spanish, but some of it I get. So I'm able to just greet someone back or I understand body language saying, oh, that looked like, where did you get that? And I'm like, oh, there, and then say the name. So of all the interactions with the people, everybody that I interact, except for one taxi driver, he was really an asshole. Other than that, everybody that I interacted with in Cuba even foreigners, like even people who weren't from there. I remember one guy who, uh, African dude, he was fine too, but African dude, I was looking for a Wi-Fi park and there was some issue where Wi-Fi was down and I didn't understand what like the guards or like the policemen were trying to explain. Like, yeah, it's down. I'm like, okay, well, is that everywhere? Like I wasn't getting information. So he actually took his time to explain what the hell was going on and direct me back to where I needed to go so I can get back to my place. So I will absolutely say Cuba. I had the most instances where there were so, so many helpful people, whether they were locals. Um, that's where I met Kevin. And, um, you know, I, I've just had so much kindness extended to me and the place that I hold it most fondly and think of the most um, interactions was absolutely in Cuba. Uh, let's see. Who is the most interesting person you've met so far? That's a really tough one. Um, I've met a lot of really interesting people, but it's tough to say who the most interesting has been only because like, I don't know the totality of everybody's story. Um, so in terms of interesting people, there's Kevin that I met in Cuba. Um, I hung out with Chris, the tour guide from the uh, Experience Real Cartagena in Colombia, in Cartagena, and he's mad cool. Um, 
I really, really connected with Katya from um, Surf Squad. I think it's Surf Guada in Guadalupe. Like we had really great conversation, really, really great conversation. Shifa, who is from Indonesia, not too far from Bali. I met her in a hostel in uh, Amsterdam and she was mad interesting, really, really interesting. Um, Mickey, I had her on a podcast as well. Shifa was on an episode of the podcast. I met Mickey in Shanghai. She was really interesting as well. Like I've met a lot of really cool people in um even Ben Katcha's husband was mad cool. Um you know, I met a lot of really cool um tour guides in Cuba. They were all really kind. Like we all really connected. I've met a lot of really dope black people that I've been able to connect with in different places. Again, one of them was uh Cuba. What up Corporate Zoe? He and his wife just had a baby, so shout out to y'all. Met them on a trip in Cuba. I can't remember his name right now, but I see his face and his girlfriend, uh, his girlfriend's face. Uh, I want to say she's um, Latina woman, curly hair. Um, but they were a really dope couple. They were really cool. And they, um, I can't remember her name, but she actually helped me book an entire day because I didn't know that we were on a trip with another tour guide. And um, she ended up being the, the plug for them to allow me to go to, um, I can't remember the proper pronunciation, but I know it starts with like a, a G, but it's the pink beach out in Colombia. I did that. I did a day at the beach. It was a real quiet beach. Like I feel like it was me, homeboy selling liquor and like locals on the beach, really dope restaurant, like incredible time. So I've met a lot of really, really dope people in my travels. So I can't say in all fairness who the most interesting person would be, I guess in terms of what of their stories I actually know, I'd have to say it was Kevin just because he's been able to do, first of all, he's young. He was, I don't want to call him a kid because he's grown, but like the older you get, you realize the difference in grown. And I want to say at the time he was early twenties, you know, and he experienced so much in his travels and conversation was great and just, knowing that he goes out in drag even on his travels is that was like the most interesting conversation is really having really good uh and fun conversations about um, his experiences being queer abroad in different countries and how he's been received and you know really getting an insight to the people of an area based on their response and their um willingness to, I guess, interact with him was a really, um, fun conversation to have. So I guess I'll give it to Kevin, but I've met a lot of really interesting fucking people. And I've had really bomb host tone from Norway. She was a wild cool. When I say I felt like I was just staying with like an aunt, she was such a dream, such a dream. And she was really actually uh, pretty interesting as well. Um, you know, her late husband, I saw pictures of him all over the house and, you know, she told me a little bit about that and her daughter and, um, she was mad cool. So I've had like a lot of really cool hosts. Um, my host from LA was mad cool. We hung out a lot. Um, y'all, I've met some really, really dope people. So, and I still speak with and, you know, check in on, um, a lot of the people that I've met while I've traveled. So I fuck with everybody. I fuck with everybody. How many different currencies are you carrying? 
currently uh, two, digital and paper. That's it. Um, but I do collect, I don't want to say collect, but I always hold on to some piece of currency from all the places that I go. So I've got, I try to keep a piece of paper money as well as um, a coin. So I, and I keep them all in a big mason jar. Just, I, I don't know, it's kind of um, in my mind, a little never be broke kind of thing because you always got foreign cr uh, currency. And also I just feel like, especially with euros, since they're you know used in so many other countries, I want to hold on to them so that if I go to another country that uses euros, I can just bring those with me and have bread. Um, but yeah, so on a daily basis, I only carry digital and paper currency. And I don't even always have paper currency just because cash is just used fewer and fewer and far in between. If I'm not getting a haircut, for the most part, I don't have cash. Let's see. What have you bought that you haven't used? Plenty of shit. But most notably, I have a clutch that I brought over from Guadalupe. It's man cute. And I've never used it. It's been over a year now. But again, we also haven't been anywhere for a year. So giving myself grace. There's that. I also have a hoodie that I bought from Costa Rica. I feel like that I only used, I think I only wore it once. How often do you use magnets? They go in the fridge and that's it, you know? So magnets also. But how many, uh, what have you bought that you haven't used? I'd say the one thing that I can think of most recently and then also most vividly and clearly that I absolutely have never taken out of the house since I've bought it home is that fucking clutch. It's cute though. Uh, what has been the most useful item you've bought? I'd say the most useful item is probably a mug. I use mugs all the time. I love my travel mugs. I think the one that I have probably used the most is the one I got from Emerald Lake in Alberta. I absolutely had a really, really, um, I don't wanna say, I guess significant, impactful experience there. I just felt very, I just vividly remember a, a, a moment of peace that was there. Um, oh, I bought a pocketbook in Italy. It is just a, it's plain leather bag, but it's a, like a really nice marble forest green crossbody, um, and it's got a zipper over it and it's the perfect size that it's not too big, but it's large enough that I can fit wild shit in there. Like I can put an umbrella, my wallet, my cell phone, portable charger, the charging cord, um, you know, and still be able to, if I buy little trinkets and shit, be able to fit my stuff in there. I'd say it's about the size, give or take, maybe a little bit smaller. I have a 13 inch MacBook, so it's about, it'll fit right on the MacBook screen. So I think that that's probably the most useful thing that I've brought. Yeah, that's the most useful item that I've bought. It, it would have to absolutely be, at least that I can think of right now, that green, that green uh, crossbody. Yeah, easy call. What else I got? What was the best piece of travel advice you've received? Honestly, the best piece of travel advice I received is you'll be fine. That's it. That's the advice. You'll be fine. God willing, thank God. I have always been fine, but uh, I can absolutely worst case scenario with the best of them. And I can always think of ways things can go wrong, but thankfully there are plenty of ways that things can go right as well. 
And whenever I've been worried about something reasonably, I've been able to, you know, come up with a couple of options that give me uh, a little bit more comfort in terms of, you know, not necessarily knowing if a neighborhood is safe uh, because there are different levels to safe, right? You can't necessarily say that because someone that lives there doesn't have any issues is going to be a good gauge as to whether or not you would have any issues there. Um, some blonde haired, blue eyed woman that's staying in a very, um, you know, let's say ethnic neighborhood isn't going to have the same experience around safety in every instance that I will. So, um, you know, I have to, you got to be careful with whose advice you're taking in terms of safety or in terms of enjoyment, uh, because I also can't let the advice of a blonde haired, blue eyed woman tell me that she felt welcome, secure, and you know, um, well, uh, loved and supported in an area dictate whether or not my no hair, brown eyed, brown skin will have the same experience. You know what I mean? So when reading, and that is in reference to watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, um, and also in reading reviews on, uh, what do you call it? Expedia and Google, Airbnb, like when you read the reviews for different uh, places that you're going to visit, I always take into consideration who is giving the um, advice. So that's another reason why I love doing this podcast, because I feel like it's a great resource for people that identify as, you know, black, female, and, you know, a solo traveler who just sounds like me. Like, if you get it, you get it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not the voice for all black female solo travelers. But for those of you um, who I resonate with, even black male travelers, I have male friends. It's like, yo, I fuck with the podcast. Like, yo, I get it. That makes sense to me. So I don't resonate with all women. I don't resonate with all men. I don't resonate with all black folks. And I'm certain that there's somebody who is not black who also um, shares the same sensibilities. So it's it's not that I am only that one thing and I don't necessarily consider that those are the only people that I listen to when um, taking advice or taking guidance from based on their experience with. So I absolutely listen for tone. Like if I'm listening to what you're saying and you sound like we would agree on a lot of things or you sound like we have similar sentiments or sensibilities, then, you know, that's somebody that I might be more, I might lean closer to taking information uh, or advice from. Let's see. So yeah, the best piece of travel advice, you'll be fine. How are you documenting your trips? I tend to take photos and videos and I also journal. I always bring with me a travel journal and I don't journal every trip that I take, but I absolutely have the journal with me so that when the spirit does move me and I do feel so inclined to write down how I'm experiencing myself, what's going on, um, revelations or resolutions as to what has been going on in my regular life that I'm able to reflect on a little bit differently because my surroundings and my disposition are a little bit different. Um, so I really, really do love my travel journal because I've also enjoyed looking back and reading my journals and seeing 
who I was while I went to a particular destination or seeing how that destination spoke to the person that I was at that time. So I absolutely love reading past journal experiences. I enjoy writing sometimes in my journal while I'm traveling um, as some piece of documenting um, history or documenting documented evidence as to who I am, where I am, how I'm feeling and how I'm feeling about who I am and where I am. So definitely travel journal and uh, photos, photos and video that I take while I'm traveling. The C, on it, in it, or stay on dry land. Always dry land, fam. I am actually high key scared of open ocean. It terrifies me because I was raised on shark week and sharks are real, they kill people. Also, um, there's plenty of other shit in the ocean I don't know about. It's just the overall unknown. I would never see something coming to get me before it saw me. So um, that lack of control doesn't sit right with me. So I would absolutely always prefer to be on dry land also because there's more that I'm willing to explore on land than in water. I um, can only tread water for a certain amount of time. I can only swim for a certain amount of time before I get exhausted. But on dry land, I can always sit down. I can lay down. I can, I got fucking options. And there are more options for things to do on land. So all the time, always want to choose dry land. I also would prefer to be in the sea versus on the sea only because in the sea, I feel as if I have more control. If I'm on the sea, somebody else is riding the boat. I can't determine how choppy the water is or how smooth the boat ride is or the boat itself. I ain't got boat money yet. Excuse me. I don't have boat money yet. So I have two feet though. If I'm putting myself in the sea, for the most part, I'm assuming that I can take myself out the sea. So um, yeah, absolutely. Dry land comes first, more options, more things I'm interested in, but when it, I'm not averse to the sea. I do love um, the ocean. I do not like pools. I would absolutely always rather have beach access over pool access. Um, now, if it's a private pool where it's just me and I don't have to share it with anybody, clutch, because who doesn't want a skinny dip? I did that for the first time in Bali. That was actually really fun. Um, but I was also scared as fuck because it was just me there. And I'm like, what if for some reason, like I die or what if like I get hurt? Like somebody's got to claim me or come save me. And I'm fucking naked in this pool. Like I was terrified, but I did it anyway, just so I could say I did it. And it, yeah, I guess it was fun. It's done though. Right. <laughs> Off the list. Um, what's next? What has surprised you about yourself? Honestly, I'd say patience, that I actually have patience. Um, I've never really perceived myself to be a patient person, but travel has taught me that I'm a lot more patient than I thought I was. I'm a lot more patient than I thought I was. And it's, I think be. I don't want to say because I've had to be patient, but yes, a lot of, a lot of different instances, you have to be patient. You're not in control of 
the general environment or the general tone of the places that you walk into if you don't have control. It's one thing if you own the building or you own the business or establishment and you dictate how things move and operate. But for the most part, when you go other places, especially places that are, I don't want to say contrary to your culture, but are different from your culture. Like I'm American. The nature of Americans is we, for the most part, at least in the North, I'm from New York. So we generally move fast. Like we're like, it's not a a Southern drawl kind of thing. We don't, you know, stop and say hi and talk to everybody. We move with intention. That's generally how we're perceived to behave. And that's personally how I carry myself. I try to always move with intention. And uh, I know Costa Rica, their tagline is Pura Vida. It's just like, relax. It's a really calm and easygoing lifestyle that they uh, tote having out there. In my experience, I didn't really have to deal with that because in all fairness, I didn't do too many local things. I did a lot of like touristy shit. I did uh, Baldi Hot Springs. I did Arenal Volcano. I did Tubari, um, I guess, excursion park where I did zip lining, horseback riding, and um, I did like a nature walk. But I was the only person on the tour. So I had full control over, you know, this is what I want to do next. This is the question that I have. Can you take this photo? So I didn't have to be patient. And that's generally, in fairness, the experience that I've had on most different excur- uh, excursions that I've taken in the different countries that I've been to. I've been to about 23 countries at this point. And in all the countries, not in all the countries, but in the majority, the vast, vast majority of the countries, I'd say 80 to 90%, I've always been the only person on the excursions that I take. And, uh, or it's been myself and like a very small number of people. Like I haven't taken that many like mega bus, you know, tour coach bus size trips. I've taken them, but not as many. I'd say 80, 20, 20% is the large coach bus mega group of us tour that I've taken. And then the majority of the trips that I've taken have been just myself or like myself and three to four other people max. Um, So I've got to say that having patience has really been the surprise that I didn't realize that I was that patient probably because at home, it's like first world problems. People tend to acquiesce to immediate, I don't want to say immediate demands as if I always get my way, but I just feel like patience is absolutely the correct answer for that question. Um... I was most surprised that I can be more patient than I expected myself to be. Dorm or private room? Always a private room. I'm not that social. Also, I I don't want to have to wear clothes if I don't have to. So, And I also don't want to see other people not in clothes if I don't have to or if I don't want to. Um, So I would absolutely always prefer a private room because I don't like being in bathrooms to change my clothes. Um, And I'm... Honestly, I'm very comfortable with nudity, with myself being nude around other people. And I'm really certain that that's from dance school. You just, when we used to perform as kids. Like we used to dance out places and you always had to change in front of the other girls dancing with you. So it's just like, I'm comfortable taking my clothes off and putting my clothes on around other people. And also bodies are bodies. We all have bodies. I, you know, seen naked people before other people have seen naked people before. Not everything needs to be sexual, you know? So 
I, I know that that also my comfortability with taking my shirt off and then putting something on can make other people uncomfortable. So I personally would just prefer to have my own space to do all those nude things that one does when they're nude. So let's see, what's your biggest first world problem? Absolutely, pro the biggest problem I would say is electronics not working when I want them to work, period. Like if I plug something in or if I turn it on, it's supposed to work. That is the most frustrating thing to me. If I'm texting something and the keys like slow down or lock up and they don't, you know, um, respond immediately or if I plug in my camera and it says that something isn't recognized or I'm trying to put a battery in and it just doesn't seem to hold a charge. Like things like that drive me insane. So easiest answer is my biggest first world problem is technology not responding immediately and not working appropriately. Huge, huge annoyance. That's my response for that. What do you wish you'd bought that you haven't? Two things. I mentioned it before. It's a um, perfectly soft, like just uh, such a soft leather. Purple, it's like an eggplant purple. Uh, I guess a satchel pouch crossbody bag. That was in St. Martin. Really wish I'd um, let my mom buy that for me. Um, and a silk robe from Thailand. I went to Thailand, went to a silk shop, and I bought every the fuck body else some silk shit except for myself. Low key, I think I bought my dad a silk robe, but not myself one. And I promise you he hasn't worn it. So I'm absolutely taxing that back. Like if he can find it, I want it back. Matter of fact, I'm going to call him after this and ask him about it because you ain't wearing it. My dad is one of those people that wants to preserve things. So it's, he's like, just don't buy me anything nice because I don't want to mess it up. So it's like, if I buy my dad something nice, he's probably not going to wear it. The one nice thing that I've bought him that he actually did wear was at the time it was wildly expensive and it still was expensive. I think I spent like 75 or like $120. I don't know. I spent for me, what was bread, um, on a fucking button up. It was a really nice Harley button up. And when I tell you this man didn't wear it for like five years because he was like, I don't want to mess it up. And so every time now that he wears it, he points it out. He points it out because I made a big fuss of, I bought you something nice. Please wear it. So yeah, I wish I'd bought myself a silk robe because I've a ton of bathrobes. I love bathrobes. And um, that's one thing that I look back and say that I wish I'd bought that I didn't. Let's see, what do you wish you bought? And what's the best street food you've had? I don't have an answer for that one just because I don't really eat street food. Um, so you learned something about me. I don't have a delicate stomach, if you will, but I also don't risk shit that I don't uh, really feel like I have to risk, especially um, being abroad. The last thing I want is to be sick. Um, I will say that I got some really, really good gelato while I was in Austria. That was actually really good. Um, and it was from like a small, not like a street food, but like a small spot. Like, um, you know, it was a brick and mortar, but it was a small little place. So I wouldn't necessarily call it street food, but closest thing that I could think of. Beer or wine? Always beer. I love, love, love a great craft beer. I 
I love them. Even when I go hiking in New York, uh, thankfully a lot of places, I don't want to say upstate, but in that upstate area, when we go up there, um, there tends to always be a winery near the hiking spots. So I love a good beer, always here for beer. So beer over wine. Window or aisle seat. So I'm always a window girl just because I feel as if I can get more comfortable if I just put my pillow on the, the window or the wall and lay that way. I will often scrunch up and put my knees or my feet on the, the wall to get comfortable. Um, honestly, I'm that person that always tries to sneak my way into the um, empty row. And I always try to, that's why I always speak to flight attendants as I board the plane. So it's always like, hey girl. Oh, thanks boyfriend. Actually, he's so good to me. Bought me a beer. Love it. Um, so I always do the, hey, speak to the flight attendant, do the eye, smile, greet them, respond when they greet you. I don't just, and also I'm just not a dismissive person, period. Um, I like to be kind to people. But I know that if I'm going to be eyeballing empty, you know, rows and doing the the good sis, I like, can I go here? A lot of times they'll just like, hold on one second, or they'll hit you with a, yeah, go ahead. Or they'll hit you with a, hold on one second. Then when somebody else asks them about it, they're like, oh, I think, no, someone is going to sit there. I've had, I've actually had flight attendants be like, no, can't sit there. And then give me the, mm, to go there, so. Be nice to people. It pays to be nice. Um, so I'm absolutely a window seat, although I'm not above getting up and going to the bathroom. I may hate public bathrooms, but I'm also not going to risk my bladder for the comfort of the other people in the aisle. I have a baby bladder. I ain't that big, y'all. So if I got to go, I'm going to go. And I really, really, um, especially if I have like a bunch of drink, not a bunch, but especially if it's a long, a long ass flight. And if I have a ton of time to kill before I get on the plane and I'm sitting at the bar or I actually eat something and then like have a soda or a juice or a beer, um, or a drink before I get on the plane, or even if I drink a coffee or something while I'm on the plane and I have to pee, like I'm going to get up. So I'm certain that whomever is in the middle and the aisle seat would prefer that I be uh, an aisle seat girl myself, but no. I am a window seat queen because I try to use that wall, whatever side it is. Usually I try to sit on the left side, but I'm not, you know, beholden to it, but I prefer there. Um, let's see. Would you rather see a lot of places or get to know one really well? I would rather see a lot of places. I'd rather know a lot no, I'd rather know a little about a lot versus a lot about a little. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is the most, what is it? Universally interesting. The most universally interesting man is always universally interested. In a nutshell, to me, is that, you know, you're always relevant. You're, you can have a conversation with anybody when you just know a little bit about a lot of things. You don't have to know everything, you know, but if you know enough about a couple, you know, a lot of things or 
more things than just what you're an expert in, you're able to, in my opinion, have uh, so many more opportunities to have a more easygoing conversation or more free-flowing conversation. Also, I feel like you're uh, less likely to believe misinformation when you've got some type of information to work with on your own. Uh, I also believe that you can um, avoid, I don't want to say avoid getting played, but you can absolutely, at least I would feel more, what's the word I'm looking for? More trusting of my own, mm, here's a good explanation. So it's one of those people that, say for example, you, in terms of the podcast, even if someone were to tell me I charge X, Y, and Z to do these particular edits, I can gauge whether, and they tell me not just the price, but they tell me how long it's going to take them. I can tell them, okay, well, honestly, your price is your price, but this is only like a 20 minute job. I don't know what all you're doing that requires you get X amount of dollars and have X amount of a window for turnover time. But yeah, I've done it before and I know that it doesn't take that long to do. Or I've done it before and I know that it absolutely should take longer than, you know, the day you're saying that you're going to be able to turn it over. Like that just makes me a little less trusting of what your capabilities are. And I wouldn't know that if I didn't have some semblance of an idea of, you know, how to do certain things. And I think that that applies just in life in general. Um, do I know everything about dance? No, but I dance long enough to know how incredibly difficult certain things are. So when I see someone executed uh, so beautifully, it's just like, wow, not only does it look good, I can appreciate and respect how difficult it was um, to actually make that happen. So in that sense, I personally would absolutely, without a doubt, prefer to see a lot of places as opposed to knowing the most about one particular place. That's of no interest to me. I don't need to be, you know, all knowing or an expert on anything. I would just, I would prefer to just be an expert on myself. I mean, at some point, fuck it. I'll take the title expert in travel, but I feel like there's so many different people and personalities and ways to do things that I can only be an expert in the way that's best for D, for me to travel. I can never be an expert in telling you what to do with yourself. But I hope this episode was a fun little way to get to know me a little bit better. My travel style is mostly uh, solo travel. I've done the majority of my trips by myself. I went to St. Bart, St. Martin with my mom and I uh, went to Alberta and we saw a lot of Alberta and BC with one of my good, 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 closest and dearest friends, one of my best friends, uh, Sarita, congratulations. They just had their first baby. So um, sadly, I won't be able to go see the baby because of COVID, mm, makes me so sad. But uh, congratulations, Chris. Very excited for you and Dennis. Um, yeah, so other than... And then I went to Miami one time in my early 20s um, with two of my um, ex's sisters. And we had a good time, but like, you know, 
not like they was like going to uh, Miami with your big sisters. You know what I mean? So it was like you want to go to the strip club with all the boys and your friends from college, and they're like, aha, I don't know this nigga, you can stay with us. So that's essentially what the trip was at the time. So yeah, I do most of my traveling by myself. Most recent trip I took to Vermont was with my boyfriend. So that was the beginning of vacations for me. So uh, I'd say the majority of my trips will probably include him as well. So that's gonna be a fun thing to um, navigate things together. But that being said, I am a solo traveler. I've done probably 20 or 19 of the 23 countries that I've done um, solo, give or take. And um, yeah, if you have any other questions, feel free to shoot them to me. But again, I thank Jessica for uh, including me in the Condé Nast travel article about travel anxiety. Sign up for my mailing list so that uh, I can send you guys a link to that article. And um, don't forget, guys, travel is more than vacation. Bye.